Second Corinthians nine one to seven. I read. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish their arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one gradually given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Our gracious God, we are before you today for the gift of another year, an opportunity to be at your table and to hear your word. We ask that you will speak to us in giving to support God's work in ways that we can understand, in ways that will make our spiritual journey with you a fruitful journey. We ask all this in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. Amen. This year, as we know, we have a theme for the year. God's work in action or God's love in action through us. And this first quarter we are looking at understanding God's love. And that will focus on worship. Embracing God's love. We will focus on discipleship. The third quarter will go on to and to demonstrate the love of God, we're going to do other things about the love of God, but we'll unpack them as the year goes by. Last week, we looked at the theme of love. And Paul said, I mean, the Bible says that gifts have been given to people by God, and it is wonderful for people to have tremendous gifts. But if you have the gift and you are not balancing with maturity, particularly with love, you may misuse the gift. So first, first Corinthians is there to show us what God wants us to understand about the relationship between love and gifts. There are two sides of the same coin. 
As she gives you love, or as she gives you gifts, you must develop the love that goes with it. So he said, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels and I don't have love, I'm just making noise. I mean, if I have faith and I tell the mountain to move and the mountain moves, but I don't have love, what am I? I'm nothing. He said one that I said I will live for today. This is strange. So he says, so if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body away, some of the versions say, to be bent. If I give everything away, and I give my body to be bent, I myself, and I don't have love, I have not gained anything. Beloved, that is frightening. <laughs> that you can give everything you have. And be poor. Or be like the poor people. If, even if they burn you. And it's not out of love. You have nothing. Jesus himself added something about how gifts can be useless. When he to, to, uh, spoke to the disciples in what we call the Beatitudes in Matthew 6.2. So, so when you give to the poor, don't blow trumpet. That is what hypocrites do. They do it in the streets. They let everybody know, I gave him this shoe, I gave him this dress, I paid his school fees. He said, I guarantee this. I guarantee this truth. That will be their only reward. What's their only reward is, you ask people to know, they know, now that they know, that is your reward, not God. I have decided to at least exercise some humility personally and intellectual honesty in teaching the word of God. That's why sometimes you say, oh, we don't squeeze people's hand to give money. We don't force them. Because if you are God's steward, be careful what you are teaching people. God's word is saying something. Giving without love profits nothing. That's God's word. Why? Because some give to God out of duty. Oh, yes, I must give because my name is not in the book. I must give my name is not registered. So you just give. And you, instead of giving properly, you give a tithe or a tip so your name will be in the book. Some give with contempt. They don't have any regard for people they are giving to. Oh, these people are so poor, they ask him, before he finishes talking, whatever he's saying, you give him, oh, take and go away. Because they are forced to give. Some give with an air of superiority. I always remember the man who was walking towards the church one day, and he stopped and said, why is it that, excuse me, poor people behave like goats? 
I stop now, look at the man and say, Look at this man. How can you talk like that? Because that's how he has it. So the rest, they are like, He contempt, he has contempt for them. People don't have, you have, and therefore they are nothing. And many more of those things. So God wants us to know that people give. But it is not everybody who is giving to please God. So what is the lesson? What are we to learn today? Friends, can we read the lesson together? What's the lesson? Lesson, giving pleases God. However, not every giver pleases God. Can we read it together? Giving pleases God. However, not every giver pleases God. If you don't believe it, just go to the book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden. I've heard so many theories about Cain and Abel, why one was blessed, the other one wasn't blessed. One did it out of duty, out of contempt, out of what, what, what is this God? I don't even see him, and he gave. There's no evidence that he gave rotten cocoa yam or he gave a sick dog or goat. There's no evidence. There's no evidence that the brother slaughtered a sheep or goat and that's why he got it. But the guy didn't love God. There was no love of God, no fear of God, no respect of God in his heart. If it was so in the Garden of Eden, may I suggest to you, it is still with us today. So God likes, he wants us to give. Because that is the nature of God himself. Today, we'll learn from Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, the givers who please God. When I read Apostle Paul, sometimes I, I, I feel like he because he's trying to do something that he really doesn't want. He's not asking people to give him the money, but he also understands that he as a teacher and as an apostle must teach. And when he's teaching, he is likely to be misunderstood, but by the way, I must teach anyway and anyhow because that is my commission and that is what you are supposed to be teaching the word of God. The basic fact is that before you start giving to God to support God's work, you must have some understanding. God created the world and owns everything. And you and I as human beings, we are only caretakers. And one day we will give an account to our God. So before you give, remember what you have. It's only a loan. It's not yours. All those who have those houses, cars, mansions, accounts in Switzerland and Jericho and Jordan, where do they take them to? They leave them here. Deuteronomy 8.18, he tells the Jews, look, 
For years I fed you in the desert. For years I clothed you. For years you were not sick. For years I took care of you. 40 years I fed you. What, what did I get? Which canteen was providing the food for me? I fed you. When you get to the land, remember one thing. It is God who is going to make you wealthy. And he's confirming his promise which he swore to his ancestors. It is still in effect today that I am the one who gives you the ability or the power to make wealth including life itself as, as my girlfriend said let me repeat it he said God kills and we eat if, if God doesn't kill if God doesn't provide if God doesn't wake you up where you say you are going to work, you won't go and work, you won't get anything. And the psalmist could say, the earth is the lost and everything in it, the world and all who live in it belongs to God. That is what you should have in mind. It's like going before a king and you know the man has everything. I know you have everything, Nana. I know you have everything. President, I know you have everything. But you, we, your children from the village, we've just brought you this cocoyam. We just brought you this cassava. We just brought you this CD. We just brought you this pound telling. Please, please, please. We love you. Just take it. We just want you to know that we love you. That is a different attitude for, hey, who you hungry, you get this one. of having a revival in Boamang and Ashanti region where the first indigenous Baptist church is. I had a revival there for many days. I slept with them, walked in the town. They were still at that time buying kerosene and putting it in bobo and putting it in tisane bottle, buying, I mean, small, small APC bottle. I went to the town. They had a long run. <laughs> then they came and said, Pastor, we are going back to, uh, to Kumasi. Please, we don't have anything to give you. Whatever you find in the car, give it to your wife. When I got home and I looked, hey, small conco of Charlotte. Small salt, small pepper, small this. When I got, I said, I said, why did you bring? Why did you go and do all this shopping? I said, I went to Boama, and that's what they gave me that I should give you. I said, praise the Lord, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Accepted it because it came from them out of love. And so for me, anything that anybody gives me from their heart, 
I accept it and say thank you. God bless you and bless you and bless you. Oh, see, baby, be oh, be the man if he na kumu no so ordana si no kasi nyami shrau on shrau no shrau. But there are givers who please God. Nebi wa wano ma me masa betsera. And there's there are four characteristics of givers who please God. Na omoso egumaro nai. I want you to get something before I even go to this one. Oh, see, pesa o ti baby asin. In First Corinthians chapter three, this first Corinth, these Corinthians who were giving Paul and the church so much trouble. In chapter three, Paul says, or the Bible says, look, there's no other foundation that anybody can lay apart from what Jesus has laid. But on that foundation, we are all building. And your building can be made of gold, silver, or <laughs> precious stone. Or it can be made of wood, <laughs> or straw, <laughs> or chaff. <laughs> but when he comes, <laughs> he will test everything by fire. And if what he's testing doesn't last. You will be saved by fire. But he wants everything that you are doing for God to last. And the difference sometimes is your understanding, is your motive, is your prayer, and is your following what God says you must do. So he shows us what these Corinthians were doing. There was a need in the church at that time. The church started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was and still is a desert place. There was hunger, hunger and famine over there. So Paul was encouraging the churches in, in, in Corinth, in Macedonia, in Achaia, to contribute something so we can go and give to mother church. It looks like he had gone there a year before and talked to them about it. I said, you, think, you, you think about it. We will come back. Those were days before instant transportation. So he will go around and to take some time again before he comes around. So he's sending this letter to tell them, I'm coming, I'm coming to get it. And I want you to make the money ready. But I want whatever you are giving, God should bless you for it. And church, I want you to know the characteristics of those who give and God is happy with them. Not like Cain. Not like uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. No, I want, I want you to give. Number one, they are ready and they are eager to give. Two, they are not caught unprepared. Three, they give much and reap much. When, when they sow, they reap more than they sow. And they give deliberately, not grudgingly. What did he mean by that? I didn't know. So they have a readiness and an eagerness to give. And I just put the scripture down for you. He said, It is superfluous for me to write 
to you about the offering to the saints. I don't want to repeat this to you. For I know of your readiness. And I boast about you to the people in Macedonia. Saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. There are some congregations who are congregations of generosity, congregations of love, and when they do those things, they spare others on to say, ah, if these people can do it, we can also do better. So he's using them to encourage others that you can also do it. If you are mindful to do it, you can't become a congregation of generosity. But then he said, before I come, make sure that you are ready so that when I come, you won't feel as if I'm now talking to you about it. They are ready and they are eager to give. That's almost like the second one. They are not caught unprepared to give. So what he says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brethren to go on before me to arrange advance for this gift as you promised so that it may be ready not as an exaction but as a willing gift. It looks like the first time he made the appeal, some Made, some made a pledge I, I don't know whether they feel the form of paper but some made a pledge in their hearts and they made a pledge to God or God, God dropped something in their hearts so they said now I'm coming whatever you have thought about whatever God laid on your heart whatever he's telling you be prepared you see the best way some people give is that before they come to church on Sunday before the end of the month before they give their tithes and offering they know what they want to give they prepared it and they give and they give to the Lord so there was this guy who went and sat in church he said it's time to give and he put his hand in his pocket and he saw that there were two papers there and as he felt it he knew that one was 50 and one was one CD. So he put the one CD in it. And the lady beside him at the back said, Oh, please get. He said, Oh, okay, thank you. Then he put it in the offering basket. Then later on, he was looking in his pocket and was looking later on. Said, ah, what happened to him? So, he asked the woman, thank you for giving me the money to give. The woman said, no, it is yours. He fell from your pocket. Oh, no. Oh, no. May that not be your story. Hallelujah. You are caught unprepared. Last three weeks or so, my daughter got married to somebody. Come and see. 
the preparation, the CD, the poly, 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 the brand new one that they brought. I said, these people, they have worked. You're coming to the king of kings, the lord of lords who died for you, and you look for the dirtiest one that you can give. Money is money, but you don't do that at certain places. Why do you do it in the house of God? Paul said the third reason why they give is that they give much and reap much. These are the people who please God. They give much. It's as as if they are sowing. They reap what they sow. They reap more than they sow. They reap after you sow. He said the point is this. She who sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. And he who sows bountifully he who sows bountifully now, also reaps. Sometimes I deceive myself that I'm a farmer. But I can tell you this. If I give you this whole plot to go and plant corn. And all you are able to do is ten fingers of corn. I mean ten, ten, ten years of corn. The land is there. At the end of it, what will you get? You certainly will get more than 10 grains. But if somebody decided to sow and plant here three or four olonkes, I heard the Minister of Agriculture saying something. People were sowing, were sowing in certain lands. In that land, they were getting two to four bags of maize with new improved seeds, with new culture with new understanding they're getting from the same land 30 to 40 bags and people are asking them what is happening may that be your story people ask you what is happening and I can tell you I've seen that in church in ministry people give and the Lord blesses them and they keep giving and giving and giving. May that be your story. Because it's pleasing God. Number four. They give deliberately, not grudgingly. Let me read that again in Second Corinthians 9, 7. And I'll not even comment on it because you've heard it so many times. Can we read it together? Those who can read it. Each one must do as he has made up his or her mind. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. If you are not a cheerful giver, ask him to make you a cheerful giver. I'm jumping that because I want to tackle the five motives improperly. The second thing that Paul teaches them is that there are reasons why people give. And those who give, the giving that pleases God, people have a certain attitude. They must have a certain mindset 
why they give. Okay, you've gone above the line, but the first thing I put there is very important. The New Testament emphasis is on grace and sacrificial giving more than tithe. Under the Old Testament, they were required to give tithe and all the tithe and all the penalties, they, they are required to give it. And Jesus didn't condemn it. Because in Matthew 23, 23, as I shared with you some time ago, say you people, you tithe on pepper, you tithe on salt, you tithe on ginger, you tithe on all of these things, which is good. You must do other things in addition. But when we come to the New Testament, the emphasis is on grace, the love of God, the generosity of God, the sacrifices that you are able to make. And that is what should motivate you to give. And that is what God looks at. And that's what brings us blessing. And beloved, that is what I commend to you. That is what makes the difference between whether you are sowing from, for silver, gold, or platinum, or you are working with wood, straw, and rubbish. And this, this thing about intention is very important. This church is blessed with many lawyers and uh, judges and uh, uh, all kinds of uh, very educated people. They can tell you this. You go and see two dead bodies. Two dead bodies. And then uh, they said they are dead. One was knocked down by a car. And the other one was shot. As far as the lay person is concerned, all die be what? Close eyes. Now they go to court. And they appear before some judges. And some lawyers here. Yeah. This first one is manslaughter. Go five years. They say this other one. It is murder. Go for them and go in for life. What is the difference? Oh, you can ask the lawyers what the difference is. They claim that the one who knocked the person down with the car and killed the person, or the person died, did not have the intention to kill. So he did it. Actus Reus. He did it. But the one who took the gun, who fed the right poison, who was sure that he kept dosing it, dosing until the man died. And when he died, he, she, when the woman died, he went and called the wife to come back and say somebody robbed them. He had the mental to do it. Actus reos and mens rea, they had a mind to do it. So, even in human terms, your motive is important. Except in the world, except in the world, you can be wrong. Shakespeare has said there is no art, there is no art eh, by which you can see the construction of a man's mind 
and his face. You can't. So that's why they call it Domelevo. Somebody's called Domelevo. They have a name. <laughs> the man is smiling, but what is in his heart is different. You Domelevo. It's different. But God is able to say the word of God is living and is active. That any two-edged sword he can divide the bone and the marrow. Hallelujah. Let's love God. And don't let us play games with him. What is number one? They want to be enriched more and more by God. The one that is acceptable, they want God to enrich them. I'll come to that. Two, they want to meet needs and praise to and praise God. What is number three? They want to prove their loyalty to Christ and His church. Number four, they want to enhance. Prayer, love, and fellowship. Motive five, they want to praise God for his unspeakable gift that is Jesus Christ. First one, they want to be enriched more and more by God. The the God will give generously all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty to share with others. Friends, listen to me, please. We as Ghanaians and Africans are in the habit of superstitious reading of the word of God. Those who they wrote the verses to those who have been taught properly they know something God says I will bless the work of your hands because you must have in order to give so when he is going to work the Lord bless the work I'm doing bless my farm Lord let me be faithful with my carpentry work let me be loyal to you and they will work and work and work and God will bless the work of their hands so they want to be enriched more and more by God because they understand that God says I'll make you the head and not the tail that I'll bless the work of your hands not that God says you'll bless me and therefore when I sit and cross my leg he will bless me there was a man who was sitting in the front of his yard and somebody came and said oh is that your farm is that your house praise God I thank God see what God has done for you the man said I agree God has done a lot for me but when God had that land all by himself what grew on it was bush and thistles and thorns but when I asked him to help me and he helped me this is what has come out of it friends raise your hand to the Lord say the Lord Lord bless me Lord bless my mind Lord bless our country Lord bless the way we think Lord release things for us I've been to Korea a number of times they say they pray 
There was a professor who did the content of Korean prayers. We went to a seminar. And when they are quoting, Lord who blessed Isaac when he dug the well, and Lord who took water from the stone from Moses, Lord who did this, and they said, Lord who did things, I said, bless me, bless me, bless me. And I said, that is why in that country, we few Christians, with land, one third of it is rocks, with one river, they can produce and probably even feed Ghana. And Israel can produce Israel can produce and feed Ghana. That's more We're driving across the land. He said, Look at this land. What 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 is it? He said, Look across. That is Jordan. And look at Israel, the same topography, the same drainage, the same everything. Look at the difference. So they are enriched more and more by God so that they can give more and more to God. Are you with me? This year, ask God to bless you with insight, with foresight, with industry, with all kinds of things that will make you in order to give. Second, God meets all the needs of the believer. God God meets the needs. And those who are desperate, they come to them, so what they have, they can give to them. And that was a problem with the rich fool. He worked hard and God blessed him. He worked hard and God blessed him. God was not condemning him because he worked hard. But when he worked hard and had what he had, my soul, you cannot relax and chill and get some pipe and some tobacco and get a few women and a few men and get some beer and some and like the foolish boys of Abuakwa keep referring to now Lord you have blessed our land with so much tomatoes we have sold enough Lord bless this hand washing soap and hand washing water which happens to be beer so the first so the first motive to be enriched more and more by God so that you can do you can have and do what God wants you to do secondly to meet needs and bring praise to God the church has many needs 2nd Corinthians 9 12 for the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints but also overflows in many thanksgivings to God as a church we have welfare packages churches have humanitarian needs churches have schools and they do a lot of things and there are some when you reach out to them 
If it didn't help me, I don't even know what I would have eaten. But we must have in order to give. And that's why some work, they have so that they can bless others. And that person will end up praising God. Somebody can you, are you Jesus? Are you the Messiah? Why are you doing it? So now I see our children coming here. All do you apologies. Sometimes they come here. This is a place where they can have water to drink. They can wash their clothes. They can do a few things. They say we are going to church. Running around coming to church. May you continue to bless them and pray that they grow. Amen. The third one is a tough one, but I'll talk on it. And I'll apply it to prove one's loyalty to Christ. Another motive for giving is to prove your loyalty to Christ and his church. Second Corinthians 9.13 Under the test of this service, you will glorify God by your obedience in acknowledging the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your contributions for them and for all others. Any movement will grow if they have loyal members. And loyal members means those who support the vision and the mission and those who give towards it. Let me emphasize this, that the church is a divine and a human institution. So divine rules apply as well as human rules. There's no group that you say you belong to and they'll count you a member in good standing when you don't support that group. When you don't promote the vision and the mission of that group. You say after three months, six months, one year we don't hear from you, you are, you are a member but not in good standing. And they may not extend privileges to you. That's part of the, that's part of the challenge we have as a church. There are people who say they are members of the church. It's wonderful. Prove your membership by your loyalty in giving faithfully to God. For the church to do what God has fashioned it to do. I hope those who are laughing are not laughing at me. But you are listening. Because sometimes uh, you laugh at things you shouldn't laugh at. Right. I mean, those who are laughing and talking to each other. Right. Now, yeah, two days ago, I went for a funeral. This brother, I mean, this, this week, this brother hasn't been to church in a long time. 
And so he lost a loved one. He was even embarrassed to tell me about it. But I appeared at the funeral. And I appeared as his friend. He was happy I appeared as his friend. There was no other Calvary in there. Now, deacons and those who do welfare, hear me. There are people who say they are members. You see, we do good to those who are not members of the family. I agree. But there's a limit that we define who is in and who is not in and what we extend to each other. Last year, by the records, we had 101 funerals and bereavements. 101, the Calvary family. 101. When they told me, I was scratching my head. But some of them, some of you knew that they were not members in good standing. They've been gone for four or five years. And yet, they come through you and you come standing there, oh, help them, they are this and that. Well, if it is only to help them because they are not members in good standing and you'll be truthful about it, it is fine. They go everywhere that they want to go. And when they have the burdens, you bring it. We can help. But I'm telling you something. So a man is going on retirement next, next, next month. We went to a ministry of education. That you've appointed this man, you gave him a four-year contract. Half year into it, you're asking him to retire. So, sir, why did you do that? The man said, okay, if that's the case, one, I am wrong. Because if I realized it, would not have appointed him at all. Number two, if we keep him in the job, after next month, he will not be paid. The computer will strike out his name. We call that justice. I look at the man. He was cool. He was quiet. Say, if you all have something for him to do, go and help him do it. Paul is saying, look, if Christ is your Lord, and the church is his church, and you say you belong to it, show how you are loyal to it. The Jews were suspicious of Paul. They thought he was preaching all those things so that he can start another church. By collected money to send to Jerusalem to prove to them that he is faithful, he is loyal, and the mission and the mission of the church must be supported. There's a divine and a human part. I could flesh that out more, but let me not rest there too much. Number four, to enhance prayer, love, and fellowship. That churches, people who give, they give in order for the church family to grow. Because when you give and you give to others, so they will pray for you. They will show how much you love them. And they will show that, yes, we know we are members of a family. 
There's one thing that we must understand about being members of this church. We are members of a church family. They say every church is autonomous. When Baptists say autonomous, it does not mean the selfish way people understand it. But it means we can do all that God wants us to do. And every commandment God gives is for us totally. So when he says go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, it means it applies to us, Shashi, it applies to Adabraka, it applies to all of us. But we realize we cannot do it alone. Particularly when there are others who are doing a similar thing. That is why we belong to Accra Baptist Association. That's why we belong to Ghana Baptist Convention. That's why we belong to AABF. That's why we belong to Christian Council of Ghana. With all these links, we are strengthening the bodies to do what God has put the church together to do in this world. And when you give, your money goes to all of these groups to help them carry out the message and the news of Christ. SU, Gaffers, Bible Society of Ghana, and all of this. Yesterday, I was sitting down finishing this sermon. And I got a message from our chief deacon. How can I get a Baptist, an English speaking Baptist church in Kigali to worship? I said, wait, give me 10 minutes, I'll find the answer for you. So I sent a WhatsApp to Nigeria. The All Africa Baptist Fellowship General Secretary. African fellowship. Then he sent it to Rwanda. And the reply came that you can come to church from 8 to 9 30. We speak English. He said, Oh, is that easy? That is what happens. You can be away from home and yet be part of the family. And that makes the body feel like a body. And all that is possible because we are members of all Africa Baptist Fellowship. And globally, Baptist World Alliance. And there are people here who come from other countries. And the only reason why they come here is because they know we are part of the family. And when we give, we give because the unspeakable gift of God makes all of these things possible. So I say, oh, why? Why? We give 25%, we give 30%, we give it away. We give it away because God wants not only your church to grow, but his body to grow. Hello, his body to grow. If, if you are the only person who is rich in your family, you suffer a lot. Hello, you suffer a lot. For, for, for purposes of clarity, sometimes we have been compared to other churches unfairly. Or maybe because you don't know. Calvary is one church 
among 2,000 other churches in this country. It is our giving 20, 25% that helps some pastors, that helps some churches, that helps others to be alive and do work and be paid. So that's why the money goes away. But we, are, we operate amidst some other churches that are Ghanaian churches that have more than 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 churches outside. Who sent them money? So when you see my brother at Action, that is Worldwide Action Cathedral. Hello. That's World Head Office. If you see Kodesh, that's Head Office. On the mountain, that's head office. If you see ICGC, that's head office. If that, that head office. That head office is not good enough. They are relocating head office around Teshi. By the end of this year, they will finish it. Do you hear me? By the end of this year, they say they will finish it. In less than one year, they will finish it. So, that is a model they've chosen. Understand the structure within which you work and support it or ask questions. That's what Paul was saying, that we have linkages all across. And it is recognizing that others are part of the body. Some are poor, some are rich. When you support them, all of them praising God. Praising God for his unspeakable gift. That we are rich in Christ. That's what giving does. So what am I saying? Let me just summarize so that I, I won't confuse you or I don't confuse myself. He says giving is something that God Pleases. It pleases God. But it is not all givers who are blessed. The givers who please God are ready to give. They are prepared to give. They reap more than they sow. They give deliberately, not grudgingly. But when they are giving, they have a motive for giving. First they pray that they will be enriched by God so that they can have and give more and more. Secondly, they want to meet the needs of others. Thirdly, they want to prove their loyalty to Christ and his church and the global ministry of our Lord. When that happens, they will enhance prayer and love and fellowship among the brethren worldwide. And all of this will result in people praising God for his unspeakable gift that makes all of us part of the family of God. I remember all of this. God has one aim for you. That you do what is pleasing to him. And when he comes, you hear you say, you hear, you hear him say to you. 
You were faithful in little. You were equal in you were not equal in strength. But you blessed the work of God. Just like he said to about that widow. It's just a 58 second 58 second video. I like, I, I like that video just one minute i like that video because the way they presented it looks funny that the lord the lord is sitting or standing at the temple looking he's looking seeing people who are coming he can see what they are doing he can see their motive let's just watch it it's just one one minute the truth I say unto you that this poor widow I cast in more than they all for all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God but she of her penury has cast in all the living that she had What they're saying is that the rest they had and they gave sparingly. But she gave out of her poverty. So it's not about the amount, but as much as the motive and the, and the degree of sacrifice. God help us as we hear and apply His word. Amen.